0: Awesome.
1: Ah! welcome to the student of the game fire podcast with your host Danny B today's guest is Kyle Garrell, first generation firefighter with 10 and a half years of volunteer and career experience a backstep firefighter for the city of Decatur Fire Department in Illinois who is assigned at the downtown rescue specialty house of Engine 1, Ladder 1, and Battalion 1. Kyle is an instructor at the Illinois Fire Service Institute where he has a love for teaching anything truck company ops from ventilation to VES. When you listen to Kyle speak, you can hear the love of the job he has with distinct conviction. With that, I present Mr. Kyle Gorell.
2: My name is Kyle Garrell. Um, currently, work for uh, Decatur Fire Department. Been there about four and a half years. Getting ready to hit five, so that's pretty exciting. You know, another year down. Um, I got in the fire service um, before I started volunteering. Uh, it, was a, it was a great time. My brother hung out with some guys, and uh, you know, they they carried their pages around. They did their weekly trainings. They talked about fires, and, and man, I was I was a I was a fire bug from there. Man, it was it was awesome. Um, I talked to them about a lot of the stuff they did, which in tune, I got on the, our local volunteer fire department as a junior member. So they were on a different volunteer fire department down the road. So you know we rebuttaled back and forth about our different departments and stuff, and it was a lot of fun. But uh, I owe a lot to those guys because I'm a first generation fireman. Uh, not nobody in my family was a fireman, um, so it kind of led into that. Once I went to high or once I went into high school and, and started doing some technical college stuff, they had um, they had that at the local college there. So we went in, went and did two years of fire science classes. And after that, I graduated from there, graduated from high school, took two years, finished off my degree there and went to Western Illinois University where I studied fire science. Um, So I kind of took a two-year hiatus from firefighting when I ran off to college. Uh, Came back and joined the uh, the volunteer fire department those guys were on. So, and they were a combination department at the time. So I did that for a few years, got hired on part-time there, my last year there. And then when I was doing that, doing that, I tested for Decatur and ended up getting hired on Decatur. So that kind of leads me up to where we're at now.
1: Okay, all right. Um, for those that don't know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about Decatur, the size, um, your call volume, um, your area, things of that nature?
2: Yeah. So uh, City of Decatur, uh, we're, we we uh, serve a population of about seventy thousand, uh, maybe a little less than that. Um, we have uh, seven stations, six engines, two trucks. Um, I work at station one with uh, engine one, truck one, of Italian one. So we're the busiest engine company in the city. We go to every fire in the city, so that's kind of a perk on, on being on the engine. So if we're if we're available, we're going to every fire. Uh, we go to about um, 13,000 calls annually, and we go to about 150 working fires. So a working fire for us is five-inch on the ground charged with uh, one or two lines off working.
0: Okay.
1: All right. Um, what does Decatur get on a box alarm?
2: So we get uh, four engines and a truck and a, and a chief. Okay. So we that leaves us about three companies still responding citywide. So we've we've had back to back working fires where it gets a little hairy. We've called in uh, volunteer organizations from the county to to help us cover. So we've ran you know up up to a third alarm. We can we can handle to that point as long as you know they're helping us out running calls in the city. So, and we don't, we don't have ambulances, so we, we are fire-based EMS where, uh, we're just not transport.
1: Okay. Okay. And are you, are uh, are all the members, uh, EMT basics or
2: paramedics? So we operate at the intermediate level. Illinois is kind of a weird state, so we operate at the intermediate level. We just have to have one intermediate on a rig at each time. Okay. So that's, that's kind of how we work. It's a little bit different than, than everybody else. So we don't carry, we carry a certain amount of, uh, of, drugs but we don't we kind of carry an aed with a monitor feature on it so we're, we're just a little bit different so we're kind of in the mid-range between basic and intermediate but we operate at that intermediate level
0: okay all right
2: um
1: and how, how many personnel does Decatur have
2: uh we have about 106 i think something like that something along those lines maybe another extra or one less something like that though okay and um your rank structure how how, how does that go so we, uh, we operate a little bit differently. So starting from the bottom, uh, we have firemen, and then we skip that engineer level. So we, we're officer heavy. So we go from um, firefighter to lieutenant. So as a firefighter, you're typically driving and riding backwards. So at a station, or I should say on a on a company, we have uh, two firefighters, a lieutenant, and a captain. Okay. So it's kind of weird. We're a little officer heavy. So as a firefighter, um, you'll drive and you'll ride backwards. And then, depending on citywide, if your lieutenant could be shipped out that day, riding the front seat at a different rig. Uh, but typically, we'll have a lieutenant or a captain. Some days, if we're riding four, your lieutenant's kind of a glorified firefighter; he's riding backwards.
1: Okay. And your minimum staffing on all on all apparatus.
2: Uh, minimum staffing three for us. So every time, ta- usually we shoot for no less than four on a truck company. So if we have to move somebody in to be on a truck, we'll do that. But minimum staffing for us is three. Right.
1: Okay. All right. Sounds like most departments that, I, you know, with with, with individuals I've talked to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some days if we're fully staffed, we'll have five on our truck company and four on our engine downtown. So, okay. I mean, you know, we never run those fires when we got five guys on the rig. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see that for sure. It always happens when you got at least uh, four, but most of the time I would say three.
2: Oh yeah, 100%. Every time we're running a fire I feel like we got three guys. <laughs> All
1: right. Um so what does the term aggressive mean to
2: you? Yeah, so aggressive to me, I had to think about this a little bit because every time we think aggressive, we think firefighting. Okay? Aggressive interior firefighting. That to me is true, but aggressive can mean so many things outside of firefighting. So you know, aggressive can be just you know wanting the hardest job every time, but it also means you know being aggressive in training, being aggressive at you know, your physical fitness, being aggressive at just at loving this job because it can go so much further. In Decatur, we're a little bit set up as kind of a ghetto town. So we we're typically aggressive, and I love that. You know, we're a lot of times we're going in to try to put the fire out from the inside and that's just the old school tactics that we run so you know we we want to be first we want to be aggressive and get in there but you know being ready for work I mean and I mean that as showing up to work early being ready for work as in when the fire comes in always being mentally prepared and physically prepared I think that goes so much farther than just being an aggressive fireman wanting to get in that front door you know, training on something new every single day and it doesn't have to be new to you, but you know, let's say today we're, we pull some lines. Um, uh, the next day we're working on something, something with rope rescue or structural collapse, something in that, in that term, you know, maybe we're doing writ or doing SCBA maze. That to me is aggressive firefighting because you're always ready for work because you're training, you know, you're, you're mentally and physically prepared for that job. You know, and and something that I I I kind of skipped over and, and kind of forgot about, but you know, when I talk about Decatur, we we have old school tactics because you know, like I said, we're kind of a ghetto town. But you know, the people that we serve, you know, we're a lot of a lot of them are you know we're their last option. You know, we got I've been on medical calls where people are heating their houses or you know their basement apartments with their stoves. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not I'm not the one to sit here and say that you know, right or wrong, or we're the only town like that. But, you know, a lot of those people that are calling us, they don't have anybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, Decatur, Decatur kind of took a turn. We were somewhere like, you know, I think at one point, we were just over 100,000 population. And, you know, early, late 90s, early 2000s, we took that turn where we had a huge firestone plant, in Decatur, that uh, used to make 10% of all tires that went on, Ford V or I should ten percent of all Firestone vehicles, but they went on Ford Vehicles when they left uh, left the lot. Well, in the year two thousand one, six and a half million tires were recalled. So mm-hmm. as you yeah. can see, yeah, they kind of tuned that back to the Decatur plant and they couldn't they didn't have enough money to maintain that plant so they shut it down. So that was like two thousand jobs in our area that were lost. Um I looked it up and I think the lost payroll was uh close to $100 million for our area. So, no, you're talking, you know, you're talking 2,000 jobs, but you're talking 2,000 families. You're talking 2,000 homes. Um, We're also a big, so we used to be called the soybean capital of the world. Um, I I think we've since lost that title, but we had a lot of places like A.E. Staley, which uh, changed hands with Tate & Lyle, so they're corn and uh, soybean processing plant. Uh, We got Caterpillar in this area, so they, uh, they make mining trucks in this area, or they used I think they still do a little bit with mining trucks in this area, but somewhere in the early 2000s, they cut their workforce from 5,000 people to 2,500 people. So that's another 2,500 jobs lost in this area. And the weird part was so many mom and pop shops that were in this area were surrounded with making, you know, like castings and stuff like that for these large corporations. Well, you know, once they cut their workforce there and cut, you know, let's say they had three lines working, they cut it down to one. You know, that's, that's lost jobs at mom and pop shops, whether they close their doors, you know, some of them are still operating, but they're operating with like five people instead of thirty. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking if you know just in just Firestone and Caterpillar, we lost somewhere around like forty five hundred people or forty five hundred jobs. And you know, some of those some of those places used to have their hire, you know, their their CEOs and their presidents indicator. Well, they've they've moved out to larger areas like Chicago or you know out of state. So that set up us up for kind of a disaster. You know, and I hate to say that. I wasn't around for that. I was a child for that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't around when those guys were firefighting like that back in the day. But, you know, I got some notes sitting here that said, you know, our, our poverty rate is somewhere around like 20%. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty high for any area, really. Um, we had a councilman in, in 2022 say we had 4,200 abandoned, abandoned buildings in the city of Decatur. So, our, you know, that, that kind of goes along with our homies, homeless population, too. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, the census comes through, but, you know, those people don't have an opportunity to fill out a census. And, you know, those, so that's not really right. counting towards our population, but those, right. I mean, we we burned up a house, I uh, like five doors behind our fire station. And I'd say within a month, people were living in it. I mean, it, it's a uh, pretty unbelievable here. So a lot of the tactics kind of going back to the question of what aggressive means to me, you know, some of the tactics we use are very old school because, you know, I'm not I'm not calling our town poor by any means. We're we're doing well, but it's just kind of a, an impoverished area where we're still using those aggressive ta- old aggressive tactics, like going in. You know, our truck culture is is still a good truck culture. We're going to the roof every time. You know, we our trucks are if if we're not going to the roof, we're searching. You know, we're we're setting our stick, we're throwing ladders. You know, so we're and I, I'm you know it's every fire department, but we typically have those old houses that were built in the early 1900s you know balloon frame houses stuff like that where you know we're, we're not doing a lot of lightweight work so mm-hmm. we get an opportunity to go in and put those fires out and you know it, it's all high fives after that you know we i mean this, that's just the stuff we love you know i i could go on and on about decatur but that's because you know i, I kind of grew up in the in a suburb of decatur grew up around decatur have kind of seen you know, buildings come and go, businesses come and go. Well, you know, I, I love the city of Decatur. And I think that's how you have to be to be an aggressive fireman. I think you have to love the city that you work in. You know, and I would say, I don't know, let's say 10 years ago, we had a couple of guys that, you know, got shot the the letter that said they were getting laid off. You know, that's, that's not a great feeling to get. We right. ended up keeping them. But, you know, I love the city that I work in. But in turn, you know, the city has its rough moments. You have to learn all about your city, know all about your fire department, and kind of go from there. You know, seeing history of Decatur and the pictures of it is awesome. So, you know, I can tune this on to being aggressive. Learn about the town that you work in. Learn about the uh, the the fire department that you work in. You know, look at those old pictures of the fire department. Look at those old pictures of the town. You know, you can learn so much from those, from those pictures and stuff, but also talking to those guys that were firemen back in the 80s and 90s. You know, something that we've done for years. Was we call it the stag? So every year, all the retired guys, all the current guys, they get together for a steak dinner that's provided by by our uh, fire union.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we got guys that are coming in in and, and walkers and, and wheelchairs, but you know how awesome that is to talk to those guys, figure right. out what the city used to be like. I mean, those right. guys, those guys could talk forever. You know, we've we've lost uh we lost our special operations, our rescue company. We still have it, but it's just kind of a reserve rig at this point. You know, we've lost engines, and those guys have lived through that. Those guys have lived through that pain. So, you know, they've they've had to learn how to be more aggressive without the squad coming, you know, without that extra engine company. So, you know, to, to finish up that question, you know, be an aggressive fireman, but learn learn all about what you're doing. Learn about your job. You know, train on something new every day and, and be ready for work. Show up with a smile every single day. You know, whatever you got going on at home, talk to the guys about it. But, you know, have the best day you can at the firehouse. Well said. I, that that question was kind of all over the place. No, no, you're fine, man. No, no like I, I said, there's a lot of truth to it.
1: No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is this is your this is your time to to uh spread your message and tell your story, man. And I love hearing it. I love hearing it. I do have a question though. Yeah. Um
2: what city is near Decatur? So we we're surrounded by like five or six smaller municipalities. Okay. So um our closest full time fire department is probably within 45 minutes, Okay. you know, one way, uh, probably an hour, the next way. So we're right between Champaign and Springfield. Okay. All so, right. but, you know, going back to, you know, being aggressive for a, for a sec, I learned, you know, when I was a volunteer, I learned from, from guys that were a lot older than me. You know, my my chief at the time, you know, talked about a great guy. He was a, a Vietnam veteran, you know, drove a tank over in Vietnam and, you know, the... <laughs> You you hear so many guys learning from the Vietnam era, mm-hmm. and it's it's unbelievable. You know, I could say, hey guys, you know, I'm I'm gonna head home. I'll see you guys later. Well, next thing I know, my chief started telling Vietnam stories, and I'm there for two hours. You know, we're, I'm sucked in. He could t- he could do that at three o'clock in the morning, and nobody's leaving because he's telling these stories. You know what? These guys are finally at five o'clock. Are like, hey man, I I gotta go to work. <laughs> we gotta we gotta wrap this up. Right. But, man, just being able to learn from him. And he's since retired. He's still around the area. But, uh, man, it it was unbelievable learning from somebody like that. No, I mean, um,
1: anytime you have a chance to listen to, you know, some people call them old heads, retirees. I mean, you know, a lot (laughs) of people don't think that they have anything to offer. But if you just sit down and listen to them and listen to, like, their upbringing, how the culture was back then – it's it's yeah. I mean if you truly care about the service man it's it's truly awesome to hear how they did it back in the day you know because it's the funniest oh, thing yeah. now it's, it's like 2023 now and you know you see a lot of people are talking about bringing back uh, hit boots and three quarter you know <laughs> coats and and riding yeah. tailboards and stuff and like you know some of those guys actually did that
2: yeah yeah um, so uh, kind of just to throw this in I I work at the Illinois Fire Service Institute as a state fire academy instructor. Um, we do a lot there, but something that the Fire Service Institute does is has a big research portion. I mean, they do just a ton of stuff. They have Connex boxes set up for, you know, turnout gear, and, you know, they'll they'll put, um, you know, they'll, they'll actually put real fire, so they'll put sofas, stuff like that, and, and research your gear. Well, anyways, I got to talking to them one day, and they were talking about how, you know, you know, the Euro helmets and stuff like that, and just they're, they're better for communication and this stuff. And and in the back of my head, I'm thinking, man, I wear a leather helmet at work. I don't think I ever give that up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we were talking yesterday at work about, you know, 50, we should, <laughs> they're so it's a safer fire ground nowadays, but I couldn't imagine going back 50 years and being part of that where those guys were wearing, you know, three quarter boots and long coats, leather mm-hmm. helmets, you know, yeah. I, I we were, uh, we were just given the, the go ahead to start wearing leather helmets again in Decatur. And I, I, you probably could have seen my smile from a mile away. <laughs> you know, the first thing that three of us did downtown was order leather helmets, you know, it's, and you know, the, I, I won't get into the price of them because that's something else. Oh, I, don't want I talk mean, about, everybody <laughs> knows how much leather helmets are going for. If you
1: have, if you have the availability to buy one, buy one now, but man, whoever has them, they are making a killing <laughs> on that.
2: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I got a collection of of some helmets and stuff, and yeah, look, God forbid my fiance ever tell me to quit buying helmets, but uh, we'll see what she says from you know a couple of years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Um. But uh, before I jump into the next question, um, so working working as a state instructor for the, the Illinois, right? I, Illinois. Yeah. It's so
2: called? it's called the uh, Illinois Fire Service Institute.
1: Okay, they do a a pretty good amount of research too for the fire service, don't they?
2: Oh yeah, they do. Uh, they do a lot, and typically, uh, a lot of their stuff is published, so it's it's out there for everybody to read. Um, I I think they operate operate on uh, quite a budget. Uh, okay. They so we we are attached to the University of Illinois,
0: okay,
2: which works out really well for us because you know we we have that money backing to be able to work with stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know the the Fire Service Institute and I I can't speak a lot for the research program just because I. Uh, i i don't get into that kind of stuff as far but i've talked to them and, and they're they're very it's very interesting to talk to them you know they're telling us you know how to take our nomexes off our hoods off after a fire you know basically they're telling us it should come off with with your mask well i'm guilty of that I, I, I don't think i've ever done that you know right. I'm, I'm so ready to get that mask off sometimes i'll, I'll just i'll do anything to get it off but right. uh right you know we the. IFSI is a, a cool place because we do everything from basic fire academy up to your special operations stuff. So we, we do everything from rope rescue, confined space, structural collapse, um, hazardous materials, trench, um, all the way from, from that back stepping back down to, you know, engine ops, truck ops, RIT. Uh, some great instructors come from all over the place. We got a couple of guys from New York. We got guys that travel down from Chicago. We got people that travel from, uh, from like Nebraska, you know, uh, Nebraska task force one, they, they come and teach and it's, it's unbelievable the amount of people that you can, you can meet doing that. And the thing with all of the people that teach there, you know, they're into the job. Mm-hmm. So no matter how low your morale is when you're leaving shift, And I mean, I can speak to say that, you know, the guys that I work with, I don't think our morale at, at my station on my shift has ever been low. But no matter how low your department morale is, go over there and hang out with those guys for, for eight hours. It's un- they'll, it's unbelievable. You know, every, everywhere has their issues, but everybody that teaches over there wants to teach over there. You know, given the opportunity, I think a lot of people will teach over there, but it's a big commitment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, you, you have to love that job. And I spoke with a kid yesterday, you know, so our, our academy over there is seven weeks. So it's a little bit shorter than everywhere else. Um, so we do two academies a year. So that's 14 weeks for us. Well, for me, that, that gives me 14 weeks to train. Right. You know, I might need, I might not be pulling lines and I might not be searching like those kids are, but it gives me 14 weeks to train, you know, to be, to be around pulling lines, to be around laying five inch down, to be around searching, you know, stuff like that, throwing ladders. I mean, you'd be amazed at how many people probably can't tie a halyard off. You know, you're around that for 14 weeks, and it's it's you know glued to your mind. So you know I, that's one of the I I've, I had a buddy ask me to come over there, and I thought you know I'm I'm too busy. You know I got different jobs going on the side, and I kind of you know woke up one day and I'm like, man, that'd be really good. You know i ought to go over there and try that, mm-hmm. and I I haven't turned back since. I mean it's it's an awesome opportunity, and you know if you ever get the chance to come out to the campus, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Take a take a one week class, take a three day class. Come out. You know, we do some. Uh, our RIT class is attached to FDIC, so they do they do an eight hour class through FDIC. It, it might be a little longer than that, but uh, you know, basically they'll they'll take you from Indianapolis, load you up on a bus, take you to Champagne, mm-hmm. teach you, put you in fire, put you in live fire drills, take a shower when you leave, and you're you're heading back to Indy. And the whole time you're on the bus, they're teaching to and from. So as soon as you step off the bus, they taught you how to do it. You step off, you go into live fire drills and then they teach you on the way back. So, you know, it's, it's an awesome opportunity. I, I highly suggest anybody to, to go over there and check out the campus.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um, years of service clause for promotion.
2: Man. What is your opinion on that? I had to think about this. So when I was a volunteer, um, I had an opportunity to become a lieutenant for the organization. At the time, I thought I was king Tut. You know, not not because I was a not because I was a lieutenant, but you know, I just I thought I was great at the fire service. And now, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything differentiate differentiating between volunteer and full time, but you know, now that I'm five years full time, I'm thinking, what was I doing back then? You know, I was, you know, it's it's a little different being a volunteer because you're, you know. You're not always a company officer, but you know, mm-hmm. you're if you're in charge of that rig and you got three people on there that are 18 years old, and at the time I was probably 22, something along those lines. I mean, I had the I I was in charge of, of three 18 year olds. I mean, looking back, I'm like, man, that was I was crazy for doing that. But you know, once I got on Decatur and I look at so many different things, you know, it's a, it's a bigger bigger city with a ton of different building construction you know, we got over a hundred guys that are are working around you or with you on a department. I want to say that I think there should be a years of service clause. I just don't know how to set that number of years, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, I, I think that you have to be comfortable in your position, obviously as a fireman before you can even think about promoting and, you know, so indicator we can promote to lieutenant at six years.
0: Okay.
2: Um, I think that's a pretty good buffer. But you say, know, I'm, I'm, I'm no, coming I'm up not. on five years, and uh-huh. there's some there's stuff I'm I don't think I'd want to ride the front seat for. You know, it's I don't know. I just I don't know how to set that number of years. I don't. Know, I I I don't.
1: I mean, I I think six six years is a to me that's a pretty decent number that that should be enough time where you should know like SOGs, your standardized yeah. practices, how you guys operate, um, what you can and can't do, you know, within the scope of the department. I, I think I think that's a good number
0: for sure. Yeah. For
2: sure, yeah. six years is good. So we got, I mean, so we're, we're eligible to test at six years. I would say a lot of guys promote within that eight to 10-year range, which I think is is a good thing. So I'm coming up, like I said, in a year, a little over a year. I'll be eligible to test for lieutenant. Um, will I be comfortable then? I don't know. I mean, I I think that's a toss up. You know, I could could a lot of stuff change in the year. You know, I I think I'd be ready to ride that front seat. But man, when we're pulling up to a fire, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I'm sure glad I'm in the back seat. You know, I'm sure glad I'm pulling lines. I, you know, it's it, it's a good thing. So you know, kind of jumping back at, at the Fire Service Institute, when we're when we're teaching academy, we we tend to be the company officers. So, when we're on a, let's say we do a, a, a run on a two-story fire, they put us into the company officer role, which I think it's breeding great officers coming out of there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I've had the opportunity to give size up. I've had the opportunities to, um, you know, take a company in. Granted, it's all training fires, but, you know, I think it's it's breeding me up to that next level. But then you take that and you come back home and you're pulling up on a two-and-a-half-story balloon frame with heavy fire on two floors and you're like, man, I got to be in charge of these two, these two goons. And I call them goons because they're the guys I work with. You know, I love working with those guys, but you know, I can tell you right now, if I'm doing a 360 with the guys I work for, they're probably going to beat me in the front door. You know, they're, they're just so, they're so fast. And I think that's a great thing, but uh, you know, when we talk about the years of service for promotion, I think that brings up another topic of the senior man. So, you know, when I said we're a little officer heavy in Decatur, you can promote for a lieutenant in six years, and after that, your next step is captain. Well, you know, I think we have – sometimes I think we have more officers than we do firemen, and the, the opportunity to promote is there. And then, you know, everybody around you is promoting, so you're thinking, ah, oh, man, I need to promote. And then you're missing that aspect of having a senior guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, I think, you know, being downtown at Station 1, you know, Engine one's our extrication engine engine like, you know, kind of quote unquote rescue engine. Okay. Um So we have two of those in the city, but we got one of them, a station one. Uh We got a hundred foot platform. So, you know, you got to learn your truck culture there. We have uh the battalion chief down there. We also have our, our rescue down there. So, you know, we are, um we are the technical rescue team for our area. So stepping into that, you know, I'm, I'm coming on as a, as a probie and I got to learn, you know, I got to learn the engine that I'm riding and I got to learn what's on the truck, you know, what's on the rescue. Only because, you know, if we had a big incident and, you know, we had some sort of confined space or whatever, you might be jumping over to the rescue just to just to take it out there as a crew. Well, now you're around all that confined space stuff. So now you're you're learning what's on it. You're learning, you know, and, and you're learning so much other than firefighting. You know, you're learning how to, how to sharpen chainsaw blades. You're running, you know, something as little as, has taken off a chainsaw blade. You know, I a lot of people probably don't know that. And you're, um, uh, you know, you're talking. A lot of these new firemen didn't come from the trade. You know, I I I actually I was a, a police officer for a year before I got hired. But before I did all that stuff, you know, I was I was doing excavation. I was helping guys do some roofing work, helping guys build some garages. You know, flipping a house, whatever. So I kind of came from that aspect of you know, learning a little bit about hydraulic by doing excavation, you know, learning hand tools as far as, you know, how to build stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, we lose that aspect of having a senior man to show you all that stuff when everybody's taking a promotion, you know, and, and I, do I blame anybody for taking a promotion? I I don't think so at all. I really don't, you know, but I think we lose that. And, you know, I talked to my buddy Dylan about it and, and, you know, let's say we have a lieutenant's test next year. It's like I'm feeling pretty good about my spot as a fireman. Do we promote to lieutenant or do we stay a fireman for, you know, let's say till the next test just to try to help these new guys out? Because at the point that I'm at right now of a four and a half, five year fireman, you know, we're getting, a, you know, next week these kids are graduating academy. So we're getting, you know, we're getting a probie next week. Well, we gotta teach him all this stuff
0: mm-hmm.
2: and we gotta we gotta shape him into being the person that teaches the next student things so i i don't I don't know the answer to that you know i I like I said, I think we we lose that senior fireman thing by promoting. I don't blame anybody for promoting. I just think you have to be comfortable in the position that you're in before you promote and you have to be the best fireman that you can be. I mean, hands down,
1: yeah. I have to agree with you. I mean, I, I do like the number six though for some reason. It, it to me it stands out. <laughs> it stands out. Yeah. But going yeah. back and to he- uh going back to when you mentioned um when you're a volunteer, it was the same for me. Like I look back at it, you know, I I I kind of climbed up the ranks to the volunteer service. And at one point, you know, I was I was the assistant chief of training and I was like, 20 something years old. I don't know, maybe like (laughs) 25, 26. And I look at it and I'm like, what was I like? Not saying (laughs) I did a bad job, but when you think back of the responsibility you had, it's just like, damn, you know, And, and it's no fault to the organization because most organizations are going to try to put people in that position that are very active uh, yeah. I have a good amount of training hours, uh, you know, people around the station like them. So I'm not saying that's a bathroom, but like you said, you look back at it and you're just like, I did not need to have that helmet or that position because <laughs> it was like, mm, no, but you know, it is, <laughs> it, is. it really yeah. is.
2: Yeah. And when you say, you know, they, they put people in that position that are active. Well, you know, at the time I'm, I'm a young 20 year old kid. You know, I don't, I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. Exactly. So, you know, I'm, I'm there all the time. You mm-hmm. know, when I said it was a combination department, I was there hanging out with the guys during the day because I had nothing else to do,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and then, then you got the, the guys that are, you know, 30 years old, they're settling down. They got their kids, you know, they got soccer, they got baseball. Well, they're not around for everything. You know, as a 20 year old kid, you can almost answer every alarm. Pretty much. And you know you're you're around. You know the fire department. You know the, the the apparatus that you have there. And I mean, we had a lot of apparatus there as a volunteer organization. Um, so they put you in that position because they trust you. But you just kind of have to ask yourself if if you trust yourself to be in that position. At the time, I definitely did. I trusted right. myself. Looking back, I'm thinking, I don't know what I was doing. Exactly. You know, I I thought I was cool because I was wearing a red leather helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, I I mean that was mm-hmm. that was part of it, but. You know i I'm, i think the volunteer fire service nowadays struggles to find those older guys because, you know, times are are so busy. So yeah. I mean that that's always going to that's always going to be a revolving door of of putting those young kids in those positions. Mm-hmm. But it's up to it's us up, up to us to be able to, and I say us when I speak of me and you and, and other podcasts. You know, it's 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 up to us to be able to shape them into into that role.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to take away from any young volunteer officer out there because there are some that they they start them young, they teach them what they need to know. And by the time they're our age, man, these dudes are jammed
2: up. Oh yeah. And, so, and the biggest thing I the biggest thing that I've seen with young volunteers or young volunteer fire officers is they are more into the job than a lot of the guys that are full time firemen. True. You know, I I hate to put that burden out there, but it's a there's a lot of truth to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, there there's guys that are there because they're getting paid. There's there they're obviously, I mean, but they're there for their pension, they're there for their health benefits. You know, the the a young fire officer might work at Walmart night shift,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he's hanging out all day at the firehouse. Well, that's because he loves this job. He wants nothing more than to be at the firehouse. Some of those guys, you know, will choose not never to be full time firemen. I don't blame them for that. I think it's uh you know, this this job is a lot different than other stuff. Mm-hmm. But they'll choose to never do that and they'll be the best firemen they can be. And I I think, like I said, I think more of them are into the job than some some full time firemen.
1: No, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I mean, I've I've interviewed a few of them. Uh I'll drop one name, Jake Chapel. I don't know if you follow mm-hmm. him for with Harvest in, mm-hmm. in Alabama. I mean, that dude is he loves the fire service, and yeah. he is a volunteer. And you yeah. know, I mean, not taking away from volunteers because I used to be one, but you look at it now, man. It's it's got to be tough because I remember back in my day, you know, we were kind of like, uh, you know, our roster is somewhat okay, but we need more people now. Departments are struggling.
0: Oh yeah, because I mean, you
1: know, most jobs aren't going to go. Oh, oh, you have a call, you need to go to that. Yeah, no, like. <laughs> Yeah. You're here yeah. Work, when I was, you know? uh,
2: when I was a volunteer on Mount Zion, I worked for the public works in that area. Uh-huh. So, you know, in the, the, the person over the village, they said, Hey, you know, if you need to go to an alarm, you can go to an alarm. Right. And that was, I mean, that was the coolest thing there was because I was in Mount Zion all day long. Uh-huh. So I was two minutes from the station. You know, I got in on some good fires because I was close, <laughs> you know, and that, and that was awesome. But you know, it's just like you said; they can't do that nowadays. No,
1: it's totally you know, the, different. I mean, s- some places, if you work for like the town or village or whatever, yeah. they, they they might understand and let you do that. But yeah. nowadays, man, it's 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 tough. I mean, and, oh, it, yeah. and I don't see it getting any better, unfortunately.
2: No, I don't. I don't see that either. And you know, when I was when I was working part time for Mount Zion, I was working twenty four hours a week, so they okay. set it up that way because if we needed to fill in for a 24 hour shift, we could do that. Okay. Well, I mean, I, there's not a lot of people that can put in 24 hours a week. If they're working somewhere full-time on their days or, you know, Mm -hmm. on their, on their full-time job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a little, that's a little different because it was a combination department, but I mean, put that with volunteering, you know, somebody has got to answer the bell on Christmas day. Yeah. I mean, somebody's got, you know, Thanksgiving, same thing. I mean, somebody has got to be there to do it. And, you know, there's some smaller towns around our area that sometimes can't produce the guys to even run a medical call, and that's no fault of them. It's just it's Sometimes it's hard to do, and uh, you know they they have to rely on each other to to you know call a different organization to run a call for them. But you know, it's part of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. Um, the next topic you wanted to, uh, talk about physical fitness and how it plays a major role for you.
2: Oh yeah. So, you know, (laughs) I I feel like, uh, the, the poster child for sometimes not working out. Uh, I hate to say it, but you know, these, these last seven weeks when we're teaching fire academy, you know, on my days off, I'm going over the fire academy. We're getting up early, we're getting home late. So that's probably the hardest time for me. But the most important thing I can do is every day when I'm at the firehouse workout, you know, every single day, if you're, if you're at the firehouse for 24 hours and you can't find an hour to work out, I feel bad for you. I really do. You know, there's, there's a lot of times where, you know, you get up an hour early and go work out Mm -hmm. Um, at at my station downtown. Almost all of us work out over lunch. Okay. So we're pushing each other to be that much better. You know, at that point, the gym is full. I mean, we're working around each other, doing everything we can, you know, and, and uh these guys are throwing up, you know, big weights and I'm over here thinking, man, I can't do that. And then I'll try it, I can't do it, and I'm like, all right, that I gotta be better next week. You know, I gotta get up the weight the the weight these guys are pushing. Well, you know, I I don't care if you're an Olympic bodybuilder or a crossfit athlete, you've gotta find time to work out. So, you know, I I was I was lifting weights every day, kind of noticed my cardio started to slack. You know, I thought I was going to be some big, muscular guy. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, my cardio is not the greatest. So I started to do the, uh, the Fit to Fight Fire, the Patreon okay. group.
0: It's, okay. it's been a lot
2: better. So I'm, I've never really been much of a crossfitter. Um, nothing against it. Just never really kind of got into that. Um, but that Fit to Fight Fire has been an awesome thing. I mean, it, it truly has. Um, it's something different every day. Mm-hmm. And it, it's something that if you can't make it to the gym on your days off, most stuff you can do at home. Yes. I mean, and that—that that to me, and that—that's that's the big with some guys that work to have kids. You know, I'm kind of at the point where, you know, I'm getting married here in a couple of weeks. We don't have any kids, so I can take off and go to go to the gym if I want to. Well, a lot of guys can't do that, so you know, find the time to lift weights when you're at the firehouse, but find some time just to do some body workouts while you're at home. I think you're gonna, I think that you would notice a, a huge difference doing that.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely, and, and that's the thing—you don't need a lot of equipment, man. Like you can get yourself a sandbag,
0: uh,
1: a couple weights, a bar and like a vest. And that's all you need. Body weight Mm -hmm. exercises is better than doing nothing.
2: Oh yeah. Put a vest on and go out and ruck. I mean that, or just go for a walk with a vest on your neighbors might look at you a little weird, but uh, (laughs) Hey, you know, I, you know, my, my captain, uh, he goes out and and walks the the trails in the woods at at a local park, you know, with a vest on. And he said, it's, it puts him in the in the most physical fit state he can be, but you're also talking about a guy that I swear is good at everything. So. <laughs> no, I mean, and that's the thing too. Like you know, especially
1: with what we do, it get it doesn't get easier as you get older. It gets harder, and you know, yeah. and you never think you'll be. You know, as a young fireman, you're never like worried about oh i'm not going to be like this guy i'm telling you age catches up to you. your body will start hurting in places you'll be sore and oh yeah it's one of those things where you have to maintain you have to do something and especially with the gear and then uh, i don't know how is it in the summertime in illinois Do, do you get a lot of humidity
2: oh yeah very high humidity for us. Okay. So we're, okay. you know, we might, we might hang around that 80, 90 degree range, but it's, it's very humid. It'll zap okay. you in a second.
1: Right. Right. You know, all that plays a factor in, in the physical fitness and a lot of people, you know, some people might be like, well, I just don't like running. That's totally fine. You don't really, you can walk, yeah. you can walk. If you need to, you can walk. If you're on a treadmill, walk on an incline, just do something to get that heart rate going to, to get that blood flowing. Because, when you're at a structure fire, all the maneuvers and 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 uh tasks that you're doing, that's a workout with the added stress of the turnout gear on top of you. It's just yeah. you know, you, you just gotta get acclimated to it.
2: Oh yeah. When I'm carrying my gear from the rig to our our gear room, I'm thinking, man, how the heck do I wear all this stuff? This stuff's unbelievably heavy. Uh we we kind of we're at a disadvantage to where our, our gym is inside our fire station. So we can't take our gear through the fire station. Gotcha. So I don't. I'm not. I I can't say I'm a huge proponent of working out in gear because I've never been able to do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But you know, I've seen plenty of guys do it, including yourself, and I think it's a huge benefit. You know, you get you get used to working in that gear. You do,
0: I,
1: and I'm not going to say it, it's it's glorious. It is not. It's, <laughs> it it sucks. Like it sucks when you got to put it on and you got to do burpees or something because it restricts your mo- your your mobility. But yeah, getting used to it and getting acclimated to that heat trap just it sets you up for success when you do get that call.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. So
1: now I, 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 I you
2: know, go ahead. My my captain, my captain, kind of keeps us going because I swear I've never, I've, I shouldn't say I've never seen him work out of the firehouse. He somehow he's an early riser. I I don't know when he finds the time, but the guy the guy is unbelievable. I he'll work he'll outwork me day in and day out. And he's, you know, 20 years older than me or, or more. Mm-hmm. You know, he he he's kind of humble about it, but uh, you know, he just he just went off and went to the uh, the world or the I can't remember the name of it, but the police and fire games they were up in Canada this okay. year. Okay, okay. He didn't tell us anything. Took a couple of days off. Came back wearing a gold medal for getting first place for his age group in a pole vault competition. I'm thinking, how? I mean, when did you find the time to do this and not tell any of us about it? I mean, it's, he drove over to Indianapolis, rented a pull uh, a, a pole to do the pull ball with, uh-huh. took off, drove up to Canada, came back, won a gold medal. Like, do. Where where did you find the time to do this? And hey, how are you still humble about it? But he, you know, he keeps us going every day because because he will work circles around us. If you if you're lacking, he he's going to show you. He may not say anything, but he'll be like, man. I'm getting outworked by my captain right now. It's it's always the the old heads, man. You know, you hear back in the day of
1: these guys, these the, they call them old heads, but they would like smoke cigars and cigarettes. And then when that <laughs> fire comes out, the new guy's like, oh, I got this guy beat. And, you know, the old heads on his second bottle, not even struggling. And you're just like, <laughs> and the old heads looking at you like, What's up, bro?
2: Like, keep up. (laughs) I guess guess we're going to go out and change bottles now. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I 100% see that.
1: Oh, man. Um, uh, Going outside your department for training.
2: Yeah. So I think that is probably one of the biggest things for the fire service nowadays. And, you know, some of the training at our department can sometimes be, because the state makes us do that right well i I mean that's it's something that's got to be done but we might not be you know a a lot of our training is coming from in-house you know we're not the chief's not making us pull lines every day we're making ourselves pull lines every day you know that some of our you know some of our writ training could be a little bit better so we choose to do that inside our fire station well at some point you you got to get outside your firehouse, and I don't mean that. And like I said, I'm, I'm not saying that in any negative way, but the ease of doing that nowadays has never been easier. Absolutely, never been easier. Um, you know, bro, uh, brothers in battle, Cody is coming um, to Aurora, which is it's, it's three hours north of us,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but bringing the the two day conference up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, there's plenty of guys like myself that plan on going to that. Aurora's holding another one with, uh, like, Tim Klepp, uh, Bob Presslers, and Frank Lieb, some of those guys, mm-hmm. for a leadership conference. Take a day off, you know, and, and do that. This this job is, is, you can do this job without ever spending a dime out of your own pocket. Right. But there comes a time where you might have to spend 150 bucks on a hotel room to get some good training.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the first time that I realized that was a few of us went down to uh, go listen to Mo Davis. Okay. Talk uh, just outside of St. Louis. And we sat down there for a day, went over uh, two topics, came back home, and we're like, man, what? There's so much that we could change. You know, we drove two and a half hours back home, and I don't think we stopped talking the whole time about how much we just learned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this it's going to take an investment from you. But I mean, dude, it's it's unbelievable how much is out there. I had the opportunity to go out to uh, to Wichita this year to end of the job. Oh, unbelievable! Lucky, unbelievable. You know, and, and a lot of the guys you learn from are so humble. You know, just sitting there talking to Isaac about his whole his whole thing is is awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: and you know he he doesn't care to make it rich off that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, he he loves to sell the apparel and all that stuff. Which, man, I got too, too much of it. I spent way too much money on apparel out there, but
1: I I got some apparel too.
2: (laughs) Oh my God. But you know, you, you sit down you talk to those guys and and like, you know, I had a chance to talk to Bobby Eckert and, you know, Bobby can sit here and say that he's the most hated man in the fire service. You know, there are a lot of people that don't like him. (laughs) Oh yeah. But you get a chance to sit down and talk to him and he hung out with us at our, at our table for a while. And you're like, man, this guy just loves firefighting. Mm -hmm. This guy loves Camden. Like that's, Mm-hmm. And that's all of us, like mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but that's all of us, and you're like, man he wears leather helmets like I do. He loves firefighting like I do. he just i mean it's these people love the fire service, you know and and there's so many good people, and oh. uh, uh I'm gonna mispronounce the name. I think it's Mark Meeshak from Wichita, okay um, Isaac brought him on the stage just to just to talk about basically being that guy. I mean, and it was one of the greatest things I've ever listened to. And he was, I I, I don't, he's not new to training, but maybe new to presenting. And it it was like a, you know, a thing that I took the most from. I I walked up to him afterwards and I said, man, that was a great, a great thing you did because all of us here are that guy. We just never realized until right now, you know, we're the guy that loves the job. We're the guy that loves to train. I mean, we spent a lot of money out there just driving to Wichita, staying in Wichita, you know the, the department didn't pay for us to go out there. Some of the, some of the guys did have their department pay for them, but mm-hmm. you know we soaked up that time, and especially the after party. Cool, I call it the after party. But uh, you know we we met at the bar across the street from the hotel, and you're hanging out with 200 guys that are just like you. They're so you're so like minded, unbelievable. So uh, earlier when I spoke about you know going to the institute and, and talking to those guys and getting yourself out of the hole where your morale's a little low. Go to, go to somewhere like that. You, you're, talking, you're talking to 600, 800 guys that love this job. And I think that's one of the most important things you can do to not become stale in the position that you're in. And, you know, something I do is, you know, when I drive to the, to the Institute, it's an hour of champagne for me and an hour home. I'll listen to a podcast on the way there. I'll listen to a podcast on the way home. And you know what? It was free to me to listen to that. So you yep. take the time, you know, if you're out going for a walk, if you're driving somewhere, take the time to listen to that podcast. You know, I've tried to listen to a podcast with my fiance in the car and I think it drives her crazy. But, you know, <laughs> if you get a time to listen to a podcast, man, do it. I mean, it no doubt. And there's so many out there. Yeah, there's so many. You know, there's there's some that are telling stories from 30 years of a career mm-hmm. to teaching you about search and culture to, everything in between and there's so much you could take from every single one of them
1: mm-hmm. no absolutely I have to agree with you was going outside of your department I-, I tell I I tell the the firefighter I work with hey man you get a chance do it like don't I mean don't you don't have to take my word for it but I'm telling you if you get outside your walls your four walls you realize there's a lot more out there there's a lot of different ways to do it and like you said man I mean Isaac I and that's I'm so jealous you went because I had a buddy of mine, <laughs> I had a buddy of mine call me. And he's like, hey, I got this ticket for the Into the Job Symposium. I can't go because he double booked himself on something. He's like, do you want to go? And I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah. So I like called my wife and I'm like, hey, uh, look at flights for me uh, to Wichita. The only downfall was from Charlotte to Wichita, there's not a direct flight. Like, I uh, had to bro. either fly to like Dallas, layover, and then I'm like, I don't want to do it. So I passed up on, on the chance just because there was no direct flight there. But um, yeah. I saw the pictures of this past symposium, uh, everyone talking about it. Uh, I got to listen to Isaac on um, the Grabs podcast with the grab mm-hmm. that he had. Just a humble dude and the thing is he used to be a captain left his department started over and now he he's he's at Wichita which catches lots of work a bunch oh, yeah. of hungry motivated guys I had the pleasure of interviewing Tim Riggs and um Keith Neiman one of the uh operations chief I mean mm-hmm. just listening to those two guys talk about Wichita man you know like it makes you want to go there. Like if you're like, hmm, if I could pick one place <laughs> to go, that's crossed to, my
2: mind. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm telling you,
1: man, there's like so many. But that's the thing. There's so many little micro conferences out there. There's really no excuse. And if your department doesn't want to pay for it, okay, just think about it. If you go to at least one conference a year, you probably spend that buying things for your truck, your car uh an expensive hobby take a little bit of that money and apply it to your job which in return will help you because that's how it was with my first uh uh outside training i didn't really want to spend the money my wife's like this correlates to your job right i was like yeah absolutely she's like then do it like oh, it's yeah. not a it's a, it's a no-brainer yeah. you know so i i yeah. have to agree with you i have to agree with you and i'm uh, jealous that uh, I did hear Cody say that on um Corley Moore's uh, hit the special that they did that he was going yeah. to come to Aurora. And that's awesome. That, I mean, that's not even that far from me.
2: No, I mean, I think for the end of the job, we drove, I think eight hours. Okay. So I think it you know, Aurora's a little bit closer than us, but uh, you know, when <laughs> the night before we went, we hit the road for Wichita, we were working that night and thinking, man, we got something playing the next day. It's going to be a busy night. That's just how it goes. And uh, I think we, we banged out a house fire at like eleven o'clock, and you know we're like, you know, we're making the joke of you got to go to jobs to be into the job. You know, it's not true, but we were high fiving <laughs> each other, man. We were having a blast, and then I think like like an hour and a half later than that, we had a, a, a oil tank fire at one of our uh, one of those big manufacturing plants I was telling you about, and and we're up all night long. We we met a guy from Bloomington just north of us, and we're like, hey man, you might have to drive to Wichita because we are gonna sleep. <laughs> so, but man, we were like, we were pumped up, you know, we were, you know, we got to go to, got to go to the jobs to be into the job. You know, we're all high-fiving each other and man, it led into a great week and I, I I'm, I'm going again get next year. I mean, I'm I'm not going to miss it. It's it's an unbelievable experience. Um, When I got back, I was messing around on Facebook marketplace and I found these helmets on the off course, like I said, I'm a helmet collector. Uh-huh. So I find these helmets and uh, start talking to the kid and, and I'm like, Hey man, I like, I looked at your Facebook, Hey, to make sure you were real. Right, but I, right. I saw you went to uh, into the job and it kind of started a conversation him and I text a little bit nowadays he's a, a firefighter out in Denver okay. and uh uh it opened a door of, hey man next time you're out there, let's grab a beer let's catch up right you know, let's talk about let's let's talk about leather helmets so you know you're you go to stuff like that and granted I met him over Facebook Marketplace, but you know I'm gonna see him next year at the end into the job and we're gonna catch up and you're I'm gonna meet somebody that I've never met before
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I, I think that's huge.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. You, you network, you meet so people from different agencies that you don't know, but when you sit down and talk to them and you listen to their department's problems compared to your problems, you could talk about problems, talk about what you love. That's how that friendship, that's how that bond happens, man. And, and it's, it's fantastic. Like there's people that I've met doing this where, you know, we'll talk once a week or every other week, or we'll comment on each other's posts on Instagram or Facebook. And yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. they're like, hey, if you're ever in town, let me know and I can show you around. Man, I, that's what it's all about. It's just giving yeah. and receiving that.
2: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I talked to another kid that I work with uh, on at my station and, you know, him and I uh, him and I want to start something like that. And, it's you know, it's in a very, very, very small portion of it right now. But it's like, you know, we have a place in town where we can hold something like that that's attached to a hotel that has a bar in it. You know, we could, we could host something like that, I man. Why don't we, why don't we do it? But there, you know, there's a little stuff we got to figure out, you know, the insurances, the speakers, logistics, how much it's going to cost. Yeah, yeah. Total logistics yeah. Is, is tough. So, but you know, it, it's, it's in the works with us and we're going to try to do a little something. It's not going to be, it's not going to be an end of the job because I applaud Isaac Frazier for being able to put that together, but uh, <laughs> we're going to try to do a little something.
1: <laughs> and, and and the thing is, with that being said, that you're looking at doing that, I have a person that you can talk to that could help, that could tell you, hey, all right, this is, actually, I actually have several people that I can, I can give you their contact info and just be like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Can you tell me what, because that's what it is. If you, most of these guys are willing to sit down with people and tell you how to do it. They're not just trying to hold it as a proprietary thing. Like, well, I don't want to give away how I did it so you can do it. Like, we were <laughs> all here. Most of these guys that we all, I don't want I don't want to use the word glorified, but like fanboys of like Isaac yeah. and Joe yeah. Heather Yowler and um, High Plains Conference, Garrett Crotty, like those guys or those individuals, we kind of look up to them because they're doing something great for the service.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like a professional athlete. It's, as much as I hate to say that, like, you know, the, somebody that plays pro football is no different than you and I, they're just playing pro football. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like a lot of these guys that put on these conferences are like, you know, a lot of the guys that teach at the Institute, I've had the opportunity to meet a guy by the name of Bob Hall. Bob was the uh, commissioner of the Chicago Fire Department. Wow. So, you know, you you look up to somebody like that, but he's so humble. He talks to you just like you and I are talking right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and, and uh, talk to uh, Chief Healy from New York. He, had, he has no idea what Decatur's about. He's a, I want to say he's a deputy chief or district chief in New York and in, in uh, Brooklyn. Okay. But he, you know, hit New York's a huge department Decatur's just as you know as much as I like to say it's a big department it's a big department until somebody calls them sick but uh (laughs) you know it you get the opportunity to talk to people like that and they're so humble but you look at these people as mentors right
1: right no 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 awesome (laughs) awesome 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 I like that (laughs) you think you're a big department until somebody calls out sick (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a good one man that's a good one (laughs) Um all right and uh so you, the last topic your your presentation uh titled the reality of culture
2: yeah so i think we've it. talked about it a little bit um just about the old school firefighting tactics so when we went to into the job and um riley the guy i was talking about earlier him and i talked about doing something like into the job well when i went there it sparked interest into building a presentation I've had an opportunity to do the presentation. It went it went really well. Um, obviously, there's stuff I'm going to add. There's stuff I'm going to take off. You know, it it's truly the reality of the of the fire service nowadays. And I got some bullet points here that I wrote down. But uh, you know, it's based around the culture of the fire service, looking back many years to where we are now. So, you're talking about the guys that that wore three quarter boots. You're talking about the aggressive firemen back in the day that wore the the senator aluminum helmets. know i i'm talking that far back and they they built the fire service is to what it is nowadays yeah we've become a more safety oriented fire service and i think it's good in some aspects but you know look at what those guys did and now we're adding things like survivability profiling to the mix Mm
0: -hmm. and i
2: mean i i i got mixed opinions on it i really do you know obviously you and I can look at a room that's flashed over and say, man, that's that's a tough place to live right there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, you know, if you're looking at a second floor that's heavily involved, but you got a bedroom with smoke coming out of it, we're going in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we're we're gonna vent in or search that room, which comes into a whole nother topic of vent search. And God, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, you know, we we add stuff to it like V E I S. V I S. Man, it's it's search. And End of the day, mm-hmm. it, it's vent intersearch, and it makes me want to crawl into a hole. But at, at the fire academy, we teach it V E I S. Well, when we break off and I take my group of students, I go into my little spiel of it's vent search. V E S. End of the day, we're throwing ladders, we're going in. And Clyde Gordon out of Houston said it perfectly: we have to go that position of an attitude of we will get in we will get in there and do our job after that you have to let the conditions dictate it so the the thing i'm working on the reality of culture is talking from many years ago up to the point now and what we've added in between but we're still doing things especially in decatur that are old school firefighting you know and i think that it breeds the PowerPoint presentation to me only because, you know, we're, we still have dedicated truck cultures. It's like I said earlier, we're still going to the roof at at every fire. You know, there's, there's been the topic of blue card command. I don't know if you guys use it out there. We use a little bit of it, Uh but we're going to the roof. Every fire, we're going to the roof. Uh, I shouldn't say every fire, but you know what I mean? If there's an opportunity to cut a hole, we're going to the roof. Right. You know, it's just, and you talk to the engine guys inside and they're like, man, that made a, made a heck of a difference. I don't know why people aren't doing that. And it's a safety thing to some chiefs. Some chiefs don't want to see guys up on roofs. The first time you go up on a roof and you feel sponginess below your feet, you're never going to forget that. Yeah. And you know what to look for. You know, you get a good attic fire and you see some sagging in between, you know, some, some trusses. You're like, right, I'm just going to go on the left side of that, cut a hole and get down,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, make sure you're sounding your roof when you get up there. But that's stuff that, that I talk about in this presentation you know, they these guys built the culture of the fire service a hundred years ago. You know what it is nowadays. We're still cleaning toilets every day. You know, we're still we're still doing probationary stuff every single day. We're still cooking great firehouse meals. You know, some of the stuff we do in the firehouse, the the weird traditions of, hey, this day we got to mow because this is how we've done it for fifty years. You know that that's part of the fire service that you have to learn to love. Mm-hmm. Do I clean my toilets at home every day? No. Mm-hmm. I'd probably drive my fiance nuts by cleaning the toilets at home every day, but you know that's that's what we built this this up to be. And you know Bobby Eckert said it perfectly: fire is not the obstacle; fire is the objective. You know, it's the when you when we pull up to a house on fire, it's hard to be safe when a house is on fire. <laughs> that's when when I when I talk to my fiance, the first few times she's like, "Hey, be safe today." I'm like, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be safe. I'll be careful. The more I got to talking to a guy, he's like, man, can't be safe in an environment like that. You got to be smart. So you know, like I said, fire's not the obstacle. Fire's the objective. Once you get the fire out, safety can begin to take it begin to take its place. So you know, it kind of that's a little all over all over the place as far as that goes. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to put that presentation on you know a few more times and have a good time with it. But you know, so once, one thing I put right here is we can still run a safe fireground using street smart, aggressive tactics. You know, aggressiveness is not about being irresponsible and reckless. It's about getting the job done. So, uh, I'm going to say that there are a lot of people that are,
1: that are listening to us that are shaking their head or giving a fist bump in the air because, <laughs> because it's funny that you, you mentioned that word safe yesterday. I took a class with Jason Bresler from the FDNY mm-hmm. and that, that was one of his things. He's like, all right, guys, um, when people say, hey, man, stay safe, have a safe shift or do things safe. What does that mean to you? And like I'm pretty the consensus of the room was we can be there is no such thing as safe when it comes to doing this job.
0: Mm-hmm. You have
1: to be smart. Yeah. And and I'm not going to repeat anything you said because you 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 hit you hit the nail perfectly with how you stated that. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, we have some chiefs in leadership positions that don't see that. And what I love about Jason's presentation is at the end of the day, he all brought it back to whenever you have a chief, and, and I, I'm probably paraphrasing a little bit, but the yeah. the gem, the hidden gem in there that he was pretty much trying to say was, Chief officers that do that, that have that safe mentality, they do that because they are so far disconnected from the way the fire service is today that they oh, yeah. don't know. And that's the thing. They don't know. So they see something they don't like, they're going to pull you out.
2: Yeah. You know, you know, so, you're, our our chiefs know who our rock star companies are. 100% our chiefs know who's going to work. You know, if, if engine three is getting a first due fire on my battalion, you know, he, the, the captain there is, is the real deal. He's not going to put you in a bad spot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, he, he might go in front of the line to figure out what's going on before he sends you there. You know, it is, it is what it is That's you know, that's, that's not safe. It's not safe, but it, he's putting you in a good spot. You know, it, and you know, if, if, uh, if engine one and truck one are showing up on our shift and I'm not saying this on my shift, uh, specifically, I can't speak for a lot of shifts cause I don't work with them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if the chief knows that the Ninja 1's coming right behind him, I feel like he thinks he's in a pretty good place because he knows the guys know the job and love the job. They're not going to go out and, and walk into a front door and fall into a basement because they weren't feeling for the floor. You know, we're going to do things the smartest that we can. But, you know, at some sometimes you have to understand this job has reality too. And I'm not speaking as far as line of duty death. You know, it could happen, yes, but I'm speaking, you know, we're we're going to get hurt doing this job at some point. That's right. I don't care how safe you are doing this job at some point something on you is going to get hurt. It can be as as little as, you know, rolling your ankle, uh, you know, hurting your shoulder. You know, we we've had guys fall in the basements before. Luckily they weren't on fire, but that's just how it works, you know. We we were uh we were going in. We had a idea that there was a hole in the floor. We had no idea how big it was. But some guys went in the pool or went to the basement we got them out um not a big deal but uh well, i say not a big deal it wasn't a big deal because it wasn't on fire mm-hmm. because we had already gotten the fire out there Our visibility was a little bad but we got them out and it you know it this job has a reality though that you know no matter how safe you are at some point there's a good chance you're going to get hurt
1: absolutely absolutely
2: Um, one thing I did forget to ask you
1: with you being an instructor, what is your favorite topic to teach?
2: Oh man. You know, I, I could keep, I keep going into this, but I, I love teaching truck work. Okay. I I truly do. Um, but you're on an engine. Uh, we, we bounce between. So we, we bid our station, but we are, we ride engine one or truck one, one of the two. So Sometimes we'll do it by a pay period or sometimes we'll just, Hey, we, we need to put you on the truck today or whatever. Gotcha. So, um, so I love teaching, uh, ventilation, your search tactics, stuff like that. Just cause you know, some people, some, when they, some people when they get to Academy have no sense of volunteer firefighting. Mm-hmm. So the first time they get on a ladder truck, they're like, man, this is, this is wild. We don't have a hose line with us. We don't have anything with us and you want me to go in there and search. And it's like, yeah, I want you to I want you to go in there and search. You know, you can teach them stuff about commercial roofs, residential roofs. You know, footing on a residential roof for some people is brand new; they've never been on a roof before.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So just just stuff like that, and just you know, I am the instructor too. Where I God, they could hate me for this, but I'm not a yeller. I'm not a yeller. So like you know, we it, we kind of run it as a paramilitary organization. But you know, I think the kids love. I say kids. Heck, some of them are older than me. I think the students love. Come into my station because I like to have a good time. You know, I I'll, I'll teach you what needs to be taught, but I'll teach you also how we do it on the street. You know, when I when uh, Riley and I were talking the other day, the kid I spoke about earlier. You know, I want to. Sometimes we go to these departments and help them out teaching. I don't, I don't want to teach them how Decatur cater does it. I want to teach them how they do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we throw, you know, we throw a minimum of fifteen guys at a working fire within three minutes we're all there with each other well some of these people might have two engines and they might ride two people per engine and right you know you're throwing a 24 by yourself you know you're throwing a 24 to the roof by yourself and that's something that we can't teach at the institute but it's something i like i show them how to do and i'm like man make sure you know how to do this when you go back because it's going to be expected of you
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so no absolutely
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) uh so many good little nuggets today um Kyle man I I, I appreciate you uh coming on you are the first guest on the new round of interviews with the uh different topics and questions I've changed it up I'm pretty sure people are probably tired of hearing the same old same old and I'm like (laughs) you know what I'm gonna switch it up a little bit I'm gonna get uh, a little deeper on some on some uh some questions and topics so um I appreciate having you on man um and just to let the listeners know, Kyle is an individual who reached out to me and probably was shocked that I emailed him back so quickly.
2: <laughs> oh, I was it, it blew me away.
0: <laughs>
1: My phone thought, is yeah. readily on me all the time. So like if I have time, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll you know, I'll answer this real quick. And um he he had a love and passion. The way he wrote his email, I was like, okay, this is a guy I need to talk to. So I'm just trying to say Kyle is an example of a person who didn't know me. He he listened to my podcast. He reached out. I reached back and we made it work. And I want others to know it, it it's as easy as that. Reach out to me, I'll reach out back to you. We'll schedule up. We'll get it done.
2: Yeah, I gotta give a lot of credit to my fiance. I was uh I was outside mowing listening to a podcast. I'm like, man, I, sh- I should reach out to Danny. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Sitting there with my fiance and I was telling her about it. She's like, why don't you just send him an email, see what he says. So I mean, that's where I took 20 minutes, typed up this great email. It's in like two minutes. It's like, hey man, what's up? And I'm like, oh, I didn't really, I didn't really count for that part. <laughs> so yeah, man, I I highly suggest, you know, if anybody wants to just talk about the fire service, reach out to you. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I can only talk to the fire service the guys that work so much, right. you know, and it, I think it, it works out so much better when I had the opportunity to put on my, my presentation, you know, I, I'm talking to people that I've never met before,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which I think is, is awesome. You know, that's, that's how the fire service grows nowadays, you know, just, just through networking. Mm-hmm. And if I, and if I could, I'm going to leave, leave the uh, podcast with a couple things today. Yeah, go ahead. Through these, through these notes in at the end, um, you know, I, I don't want anyone to forget, That we get to do this job, we don't have to do this job. You know, this is a totally different job than you know what people working eight eight hours a day, Monday through Friday are doing. This this job can get real tough on you if you don't like being away from your family for 24 hours, or if you don't like in we if you don't like working weekends and holidays. So just remember, we get to do this job, and it's the best job in the world. Um, Something else I had was enjoy going to work every day, show up with a smile, and be ready for work. You know, I, I said that earlier. So, man, enjoy showing up to work every single day. No matter what you got going on at home, understand the guys at work are going to be there for you. So you've got to enjoy showing up to work every day. And like I said earlier as well, this profession takes a commitment from you. might not be a financial commitment. It just has to be a commitment from you to learn how to better yourself. But with that, you know, make sure you're humble about it. This job can humble you in a second. You know, you could think you're the best fireman there is, and this job will humble you in a second. So, you know, enjoy the job that you have and be humble about it. I guarantee you everybody at Christmas, you know, at Thanksgiving is going to want to talk to you about your job. And I'll tell you what, they better be careful because I can talk to them for two hours. You know, I, <laughs> no, don't tempt me with a good time. I'll talk about it forever, but, you know, be humble about the, the work that you do. Awesome. Awesome, man. Couldn't end it. <laughs> couldn't end it
1: any other way better than that, man. Uh Kyle, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. Uh, reaching out and getting this done I'm pretty sure anyone listening is going to enjoy the, the little nuggets that you dropped today man so thank you very well, much
2: I, I appreciate you having me on it's been awesome
1: awesome awesome man if any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal oriented hardworking, humble passionate and professional regardless of rank career or volunteer contact me at Student of the at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.